She's doing it quiet to my PR. <laughs> John Farthing, is that okay? That level. Mm, louder. A bit louder. You feel you lack confidence in your own name. I do. <laughs> do you want to try Brian or something? <laughs> Essentially, I've been in witness protection for a while and I still have to remember to use my fake name. <laughs> but what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 141 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are... John Farthing, Andy Chandler, Peter Johnson, and I'm Hazel Chandler. Today's show is going to be a quiz-tastic episode, as not only do we have our monthly buff or bluff quiz, where we try to outwit each other with lies and deception, we will also have a bonus quiz from Andy. So we'll be given two movies from the same year and have to try and guess which one made the most money. Yay, capitalism! So let's start the show. Didn't realise we were supposed to outwit each other because mm-hmm. there is no <laughs> wit contained within my buff or bluff. The stupidity, which is similar, I think. Deception? Can you do deception? No. Oh. Okay. Oh, is that a lie? <laughs> That's what he wants you to think. So how was Edinburgh? It was very exciting. We had lots of fun shows. I did six shows, Hazel. You did I did two. two. Yeah. yeah. Were they the two best ones? Um, Having not seen the other four. (laughs) Having not seen the other four, I did. I enjoyed myself muchly. It was very, very good fun. We were very silly. And you did an excellent Godzilla joke. I did, which deserved more. Yes. So Godzilla was having an existential crisis. And went to see a psychiatrist. Right. And I said, tell me about your Mothra. And I laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I, I got it maybe... Five minutes after that scene had finished. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it deserved a standing ovation. And I, I thought so. The lack thereof made me hate everyone in the audience. <laughs> uh, did you see any good improv? Well, for, from us, not really. <laughs> <laughs> any better improv is what I meant to say. We went to see an improvised Sherlock Holmes murder mystery. It was Sherlock Holmes and the case of the glowing frisbee. Mm-hmm. Um, which was very, very good. Quite a tight format. I'm not sure how much of it was completely improvised, but it was really, really good. Uh, Really, 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 really fun Sherlock Holmes drama. John and I went to see this insane Japanese-themed improv. Yeah, we didn't realise really how improv it was going to be before we got there. We were expecting more of a game show type thing. I don't know, but it it was very, very strange. It was basically improv with pain. Yeah. The name translates as punishment. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Which I find keeps improvisers in line normally. Yes. So, for example, in one round, if you got knocked out in a team game, you got shot in the chest with a paintball gun. Wow. So that yeah. would be uh, like a whole new spin on the die game. Hey, that was yeah. the die game. Yeah. Was yes. it the die? Yeah. Oh, you got wow. shot with a paintball gun. Oh, right. And then, then they all showed the bruises they had from their paintballs. Oh, wow. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I, I still think they just marked their chest with red and were subtle enough to have some more faded ones that looked like they'd healed. No, as I, well. I, I, I was looking and there were like genuinely bruises for, for <laughs> entertainment value. Yeah. Speaking of bruises, one of the best shows that we saw was called Mythos and it was a production around wrestling but also that kind of... Like, no, it was, it was Norse mythology. Norse mythology, um, thank Stories you. of yeah. uh, Loki and Odin and Thor, the, the gods and such, told yeah. through the medium of professional wrestling. 
Yes, it was rather spectacular. I was like really impressed by the writing. I thought it was a really good story that started off with Odin and then Loki came on and then battles ensued. Mm-hmm. I've never seen live wrestling before hmm. and they were really hurting each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was spectacularly well told. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I was about 10 minutes in. I'm like, is this going to be a bit samey? Are they going to talk for a little bit and then just do a little bit of punching each other? But every fight had like a different rhythm and, a yeah. different, and it was really, really well done. Hmm. Really? Really spectacular. I mean, I would give it as a recommendation, but A, it's sold out for the rest of the run, and I think B, this podcast will be released on the last day of the Fringe. <laughs> yeah, so. but there's, there's never been any wrestling shows in the Fringe ever before, and they were so grateful to the audience for coming because they did say this is an incredibly expensive thing mm-hmm. to put on, on top of the already expensive things around Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. there's a cast of 10, which for a Fringe show is, yeah. you know, a, oh, wow. a massive, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the characters who played Serta must have been seven foot at least. Mm-hmm. Like Big he came guy. on, I was like, where are his stilts? Like <laughs> they were extraordinarily well performed and mm. in good physiques. <laughs> we also saw um, Kathy and Stella solve a murder, which is a musical comedy. And it's great. It's uh, one of these things where you, you see it in the fringe, you go, I'm going to see that in the West End in a year. I'd be amazed if it, yeah. if, if it doesn't get that big so what's the basic plot of that one kathy and stella are friends who host a podcast together okay and they go to a podcast convention uh, to try and get a deal and the the person they go and see is murdered the next day that person's head turns up in a box delivered to them <laughs> and they are accused of the murder but there's some lovely great songs in it really really nicely performed some fun twists and a, a real tour divorce at the end performance from the murderer. Okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit less slick. John and I also went to see some AI generated improv, mm-hmm. which was an interesting idea. It, mm-hmm. I, I kind of assumed it was just a bunch of improvisers who discovered chat GPT, but it wasn't. It had like a proper computer scientist. The AI would generate 20 lines in response to everything said on stage. And then someone would pick which one was a decent or usable line and someone else would hear it in their earphones and then say that line, <laughs> which okay. is a weird way of doing things. Yeah, it was interesting, but I, I understand why they had to do that for the show. But the yeah. fact that they were curating it and picking out the best of the 20 or 30 lines. Yeah. Do you feel that felt like too much like cheating? But also the AI had like a voice recognition. So someone would say mm-hmm. something, the AI would generate a line. That person would pick the line. That line would then be read into somebody's earpiece and then they would repeat it. And it just led to such slick. a delay in the yeah. improv. Uh-huh. The other improvisers kept talking to, to keep it lively. But that kind of meant whatever the person who has been fed the line, would say something in response to something that was two or three lines behind. Mm. It wasn't terrible, but it also wasn't great improv. It it was an interesting show to see rather than a good show. See, sometimes I think improv is about something Mm. that Mm -hmm. was like come out of completely left field and then have to try and deal with it. Mm -hmm. And you have to try and like build something from where the the Mm -hmm. scene has gone off in some kind of tangent. If it's more like, oh yeah, that's that's the best place it could go. There's less danger. I think he's only got about two seconds to... Pick which line it's going to be. Yeah. So yeah. it's not always going to be a great line, anyway. Mm. Should we do a buff or bluff quiz? Yeah, yes, yes, let's. Is anyone gagging to go first? Inspired by my, dare I say it, fucking brilliant Moffa joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bring it on. I have gone for Godzilla movies that were nearly made, and it's a Godzilla versus. So we've had Godzilla versus. Okay. King Kong, I think we had. Yes. Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. These were ones that were not made, but got to a 
level of pre-production where they were almost made so they're not just daft ideas tossed off by somebody. <laughs> daft idea tossed off by somebody sounds like the name of my sex tape. Um, <laughs> it does sound like an Edinburgh show. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. So one of these never made it into production and is just in your brain. Yeah, two went into pre-production and were cancelled for various reasons. One is just from my head. So we will begin with Godzilla versus Frankenstein in which a scientist finds a young wild boy running the streets of Tokyo, who, when studied, turns out to be the reincarnation of Frankenstein's monster. This is as a result of him accidentally eating a part of the monster's heart, which had been affected by radiation. (laughs) So the boy then starts to grow to massive proportions, starts turning into Frankenstein's monster, eating the livestock and people of Japan until the Japanese self-defence force managed to locate a frozen Godzilla in the middle of the sea, revive him and lure him back to Japan to fight the now Godzilla-sized Frankenstein's monster on the streets of Tokyo. Godzilla ultimately triumphs and the world is saved. Number two. Godzilla versus the Exorcist. (laughs) A demonic cult set out to destroy Japan and take over the world with black magic. Via an occult ritual, they managed to get the devil Pazuzu to possess Godzilla. The now red-eyed and forked-tailed Godzilla destroys several cities, including destroying parts of Tokyo with radioactive vomit, (laughs) before the Japanese self-defence force coaxes an elderly priest out of retirement to battle the monster. Eventually, the exorcist succeeds and Godzilla is freed, but is fatally injured. As he succumbs to his injuries sustained in the battle, a light appears from the sky and the film ends with Godzilla being lifted into heaven. Right. Finally, Godzilla vs. Batman. This is based on the 1960s TV show and was written by the creator of that TV show, William Dozier. It features Batman, Robin and Batgirl fighting a mad scientist called Claus Finster. Claus Finster manages to reawaken Godzilla and Batman and his team battle him in both Tokyo and the USA. After several battles, they decide the best way to capture Godzilla is to lure him into the open by using the mating call of a female Godzilla. Which is... (laughs) I believe. They'll be coming from miles around now. (laughs) This works. Uh, Godzilla is lured into the open, where they manage to put an explosive belt around his neck, rendering him unconscious. Whilst he is unconscious, Batman builds a spaceship around him and fires him into space. Builds a spaceship around him. <laughs> I like that sentence. Thank you very much. Um, right. Well, um, I, mean, I mean, they're all very plausible, aren't they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, they're all equally plausible. <laughs> I like all of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do as well. I can see why the two real ones never made it to production. Yeah. So just to recap, we have Godzilla versus Frankenstein. Yeah. We have Godzilla versus The Exorcist and Godzilla versus Batman. Yes. Okay. Well, William Friedkin has been in the news, obviously, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately passing away at the age of, uh, was he 88? 88, like that? Yeah. yeah. Director of The if Exorcist. If you want entertaining on a, on a tangent there, there's a Twitter stream that's quite easy to find where someone's just called together the best bits from William Freakin interviews and DVD yeah. commentaries, and it's I hilarious. went down that wormhole. He's he's so funny. So I'm wondering if you got inspired by that news and thought Godzilla versus the Exorcist might be good fun. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning that way. I think John's I'm been... more inclined to think because I know John had no idea of what he was going to do about an hour ago, 
and John and I went to see a thing about The Exorcist on Tuesday. Oh, we did, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, did I, we? About, I, I, I genuinely forgot about that show. John's <laughs> acting. <laughs> and that was a very strange show. It was, yeah. About someone who just couldn't get to sleep all the time and kept dreaming about The Exorcist, I think. Yeah. The movie. Or... The, yeah. the movie, yeah. Was it Your Mother Chuck Shells? Chuck's Rocks. Your Mother Chuck's Rocks and Shells, it was yeah. called. <laughs> Radioactive vomit is hilarious. Well, it depends where you're standing. That's true. I'm really sad it didn't get made because I would hope that if it did get into production, there would have been a scene where the poor guy in the costume had to twist the head of the costume round 360 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> we know there's been some crazy iterations of Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Thank you to the Philippines. Yes. And Turkey. Oh, yes. And the only reason I think it didn't get made was the Batman TV series got cancelled. The only reason. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, <laughs> was it, it sounds like. So was this seventies? This will be 60s? late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there was there was two separate scripts written. So William Dozier, who did Batman, wrote a version of it, and then the Japanese guys that write the Godzilla movies wrote a version of it. But it's a William Dozier one that moved forwards, and it was going to be like Adam West and Burt Ward. So by coincidence, two different fractions no, developed they, they, a script they, they, or they worked they, together on it? It was kind of almost like what they do where they have the idea and then they set different groups together and they write a script. Uh, uh, yeah, but I think I've heard of Godzilla vs. Frankenstein. Oh, really? Yeah, so that film wasn't made, but they did do Frankenstein versus I forget the name, but there was another lower tier kaiju within Toho Studios. Gamera or Ultraman style. That thing. kind of thing, yeah. So there was a Frankenstein versus, and that used a lot of the ideas and plot points from the Godzilla one. Mm. Right, I'm leaning towards that one being true. I know this is going to sound daft because it, it means I think that Batman versus Godzilla is plausible, but I think Godzilla versus The Exorcist is, is just ridiculous. They coax an elderly priest out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> And then Godzilla ascends to heaven mm-hmm. to yeah. sit at God's right hand and presumably <laughs> stomp on his face. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and it uh, unfortunately has come from your mind, John, which means you own the copyright and you can yeah. uh, mm. put it in a production. Like you as well. I also want the line, built a space station around an unconscious Godzilla to be Fire true. Fire him into space. Fire him into space. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I want that to be true. I'm going to go for The Exorcist as well, because I just think that's inspired you because it's been in the news but isn't real yeah i'm gonna go for the exorcist because i think it inspired him by seeing the show on tuesday you are all correct (laughs) it was inspired partly by that but also partly by a bootleg godzilla versus jesus action figure (laughs) Wow! which which was found in the far east somewhere a few people know maybe that's not real maybe it's some photoshop thing but there seems to be various different iterations of it that people have posted Mm. from markets in the far east and I thought Godzilla versus Jesus would have been nice, but it had been kind of done. So it became The Exorcist. Uh, you could also have Godzilla versus Wolfman, which was filmed as a fan production in the 1980s, but has never been released because Toho's lawyers mm. stomped down upon it with their giant <laughs> Godzilla lawyer foot. Presumably the Wolfman would have to grow to Godzilla proportions. Wouldn't be a fair fight otherwise. Unless it's going to be some sort of fantastic voyage style thing where the Wolfman goes inside Mm -hmm. Godzilla and tries to punch Godzilla's kidneys or something. (laughs) I would actually quite like to watch Godzilla vs. Frankenstein's monster. I mean, we had Godzilla vs. Kong. What else did we have? Various other ones. But they, 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 they tried to make dozens of these things during the 60s when they were just doing all kinds of wild Godzilla shit. I like it. Thank you very much.
And we look forward to Godzilla versus Santa Claus imminently. <laughs> okay, Peter, what have you got? I have a buffle bluff about costumes. Number one, Back to the Future. After it didn't stand out enough on set, costume designer Deborah Lynn Scott was asked for something more colourful than the pale blue shirt that the older version of Lorraine McFly was dressed in. She borrowed a stripy shirt that Eric Stoltz had brought that day, which is why it's a little oversized. Number two, Barbie. But in this case, it's actually the doll. Carol Spencer dressed Barbie for over 35 years. In 1964, a Mattel employee accidentally ordered 2,500 yards of gold-striped fabric instead of 250 yards. Carol designed a Barbie Country Club dance range specifically to make use of all the excess material. (laughs) And four weddings and a funeral. For this 1994 movie, costume designer Lindy Hemming had such a small budget to work with that many wedding guests were outfitted in hats and costumes she and her assistants found in second-hand stores across England. So, Back to the Future, Barbie, and four weddings and a funeral. Did Eric Stoltz get his shirt back after he left production? I mean, he lost his shirt on the film in more ways than one. (laughs) Well, apparently she ordered several identical shirts, the spares, because you always do that for a movie. They did give him it back, but she's not sure if she gave him back the right one. (laughs) And was it a um, more vibrant, striking shirt? Uh, Yeah, it's sort Mm. of stripy, stripy colours, like a deck chair. So it was this possibly for the um, end of the film. Yes, uh, it's when she's older. But she's she's more glamorous in the end version rather than the beginning. I think it's the end version. Right. She's wearing like a blue shirt underneath and a stripy shirt on top. I mean, the 80s was all kind of oversized shirts and everything, so kind of... Makes sense. Hmm. Country Club Barbie on mm-hmm. what was it? Gold fabric. Yes. Country Club dance. Country Club dance. Yeah. What does Country Club dance look like? I don't know. I think they made it up <laughs> just so that it could use the. It sounds like a material. weird subgenre of music to the Country Club dance. dance. That's Cotton Eye Joe. I think is uh, the yes. only song that falls within that genre. Yeah. It was probably a range of things mm-hmm. that all used the same material. And the third one was the Four Winds and a Funeral was dressed entirely from charity shops. For all the wedding scenes, yeah. If you've got loads of wedding scenes with extras and stuff, would you not just hire extras that had tuxes and say, come in your tux? I don't think you can necessarily hire people with their own tuxes. I think you can. I'm sure it's been done. In my film, <laughs> well, Five well, Weddings. They did. <laughs> well, John, I mean, you can hire those guys um, in tuxes who come round and then they're Velcro tuxes and they pull them off. And Yeah. That's, yeah, but, that's but, might be what I'm thinking of. I've not seen Four Weddings and a Funeral, but I assume that happens Neither have I, actually. Fucking awful. Is it? Yeah. I've never seen it. Oh, wow. No. Okay. I, I imagine there were quite a few wedding guest extras required for that film, being yeah. uh, at, at least four two different or three weddings, weddings as well. At least, but, yeah. Yeah. But they just didn't have the budget for it, was it? Not at least a This was like size? one of the earliest Richard Curtis ones, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, like it was. the, Well, the first one. And relatively early in working titles. Yeah, so as well. budget wouldn't have been, you know, the same mm-hmm. as Love Actually or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you imagine like a wedding suit is, you know, a few hundred quid. And if you need mm-hmm. four wedding scenes with big wedding party. 50 so to 100 people at each one. Yeah, yeah it, it adds up. Yeah. Shame it's before the um, advent of cheap CGI. They could have just created um, hordes of wedding guests in the background, like in the Lord could of the Rings battle scene. Mm-hmm. Could be like World War Z, but with wedding guests. They could have just printed out <laughs> watched that film. cardboard cutouts of people wearing a tux and sticking different faces on. I would have done that. Or just filmed at an actual wedding. The point? Yeah. Well, yeah. Some people have smaller weddings. Mm. They could have, could have been at a drive through in Las Vegas. 
to when when I went to Glastonbury years and years ago, twenty seventeen. I think they were filming The Star Is Born. They brought out Bradley Cooper mm. to mime to a couple of songs so they could get massive crowd shots, and they just mm. said. You know, the pan's only in 10 minutes. Oh, it was before Chris Christopherson, who obviously was in the original, yeah. so there was a little mm-hmm. bit of a link there. So they could have done that at a wedding. like Bradley Cooper's not in four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> no, right. but, but that, you, it would only take you 10 minutes to film it. Yeah. All the wedding scenes would take longer than 10 minutes to film. And I think the person whose actual wedding it was would be livid. <laughs> I would, would you have been happy to delay your wedding for several hours while Hugh Grant failed to act? <laughs> no. no knowing mm. things that i do about hugh grant no <laughs> no thank you he was very good in paddington oh very he, good he actually was wasn't he <laughs> paddington <laughs> damn <too>. it <laughs> yes. are we arriving at a time where we need an answer yes i believe so i don't know i'm gonna go for the Back to the Future one, because it's the most interesting one, and therefore the most likely to be made up. Right. I'm going for Back to the Future as well, but I reckon they would have um, tackled this costume um, faux pas before they actually got to set. Yeah. I, I don't think it's particularly unusual for them to scour charity shops and secondhand no. shops and stuff for things on low-budget productions. No, I don't think it is. So that makes it more likely to be true? Yes, if it's something that they're likely to do, it makes it more likely to be true. Said right. um, f- some philosopher. <laughs> Plato. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I, I also think that one is true. But I'll go, I'll go for the Barbie one, mm-hmm. just because I have no idea what a club dance thingy is. Mm. This is a very sexist question that I'm aiming it towards you, Val, and any of the other members of the team, but Great. I- I'm guessing you're more likely to have had a Barbie as a child than yes. Andy or Peter. Yep, Did, I had the Barbie camper van. Yeah, but um, I had Cindy. <laughs> was it dressed in gold fabric in any way? Like they had the surface of it they needed to remove? Um, possibly. Ah, so it could be true then. It could be true, yeah. yeah. Cindy was wrapped in silver. She was hazmat Cindy. <laughs> right. Irrelevant to the buff or bluff. There should be one wrapped in plastic like Laura Palmer's. Oh. Laura Palmer Barbie I would buy. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going for the line from the song. Oh, is it? Yeah. Wrapped in plastic. Mm. It's fantastic. Life ah. in plastic. There you go. Now it's going for mm. Twin Peaks rather than Aqua. <laughs> yeah. right, okay. no, I am, I'm going to go for the Back to the Future one because that is the most interesting one and the other two are quite dull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're wrong, you've just insulted Peter. If we're right, you've just insulted Peter. <laughs> yeah, win-win. <laughs> if you're right, you've just accidentally complimented me. Have I? Because I've came up with a more interesting one. But could it be asked to find two more interesting true ones? <laughs> <laughs> right. Barbie is true. Mm. And for weddings and funeral, yes, they did go to charity shops to find lots of things for people to wear. And the one I made up was Back to the Future. Yay! Hey, we're all um, two for two so far, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Maybe we're learning how to play this game at last. <laughs> the shirt didn't belong to Eric Stoltz. No, it was what was originally planned for her to wear. Very nice. I had visions of Eric Stoltz just crying, having been fired topless on the streets of LA. <laughs> and I did predict that someone would ask whether or not Eric Stoltz got his shirt back, which is why I had that extra bit of detail to add. Thank you very much. Did you enjoy the one good joke in The Flash? No, because I knew about that one, but... Mm-hmm. Actually, I enjoyed The Flash for the first two-thirds of it. I thought it was actually really good. And then it just went completely to crap. Um, The CGI got appalling, and it became a sort of boring, punchy fight. 
But do you not think the ending of how they resolved the boring, punchy fight was quite interesting? No, I thought there was enough going on already. You didn't need that. I am concerned that the Flash is an infectious disease. It got John first, and then it got (laughs) Peter. And I think, Hazel, you or I may be next. Not if we don't watch it, which is my plan. Well, it was my plan as well, but I I had assumed it was Peter's plan and John's plan before. That is the cure. Don't watch it. Mm -hmm. Or just pluck your eyes from your skull. Shall I buff and or bluff? Mm -hmm. Yes, please. The Meg 2 is out in cinemas or on streaming or on cassette tapes or something at the moment. And I think sharks get a really bad rap. Jaws is a great film, but it is created within the popular consciousness, this idea that sharks are evil and to be hated and reviled. And I'd like to spread the hatred around a little bit. There are other terrifying creatures of the deep sea that we should be afraid of. And I'm going to give you now three films, two of which Mm -hmm. are real, one of which is my own idea. And they're about people being attacked by different deep sea monsters. Go Team Shark. Number one, Deep Shock, 2003. An American nuclear submarine is attacked and disabled by a powerful electromagnetic pulse. An underwater Arctic research station named <clears throat> Hubris witnesses the event and also reports a rapid rise in temperatures that threaten to melt the ice cap and flood the world. What's behind this catastrophe? Why, it's only giant intelligent electric eels, of course. <laughs> An expedition is launched to save the world by nuking some CGI fish. Five stars. Intelligent electric eels. Correct. No more information will be forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Number two, Shell to Pay, 1989. This one. <laughs> just reminded me I need to pay my electric bill, so thanks. <laughs> A group of friends vacation together in Jamaica, enjoying themselves by drinking cocktails, snorkeling, and ignoring dire warnings from a mysterious shaman. During a midnight party on a secluded beach, they accidentally destroy a clutch of eggs buried in the sand, unleashing the fury of a demonic sea turtle with glowing red eyes, which stalks them across land and sea to seek revenge. The turtle occasionally speaks and is voiced by James Avery, who is Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, five stars. Okay, was this the shaman from like the late 1980s acid house? <laughs> he's a, he's, a, he's good. a good, he's a good. I don't understand that reference, so yes. <laughs> Number three, Sting of Death. 1965. (laughs) Um, No, it would be the um, WCW uh, pro wrestler. Is this the thing that killed Steve Irwin? It's not actually. It's different and worse. Mm. Um, A marine biologist studying the evolution of sea life is visited by his daughter and a group of her college-aged friends. During a raucous party, the biologist's helper, Egon, is cruelly taunted by some frat bros. He takes his revenge by transforming himself into a monstrous half-man, half-jellyfish hybrid sinking boats and stinging people to death. He looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon, but with a partially inflated bin bag on his head. Five stars. <laughs> Which one of those is sadly not real? We have the titles again. Uh, you can, yes. Uh, the Electric Eel one is cleverly, cleverly and wittily named Deep Shock. The Turtle one is called Shelter Pay. Mm-hmm. And um, the Jellyfish one is Sting of Death. Mm-hmm. Mm. The middle one sounds more like you'd named it. Yes. Hey! <laughs> but the plot of the last one sounds more like something you'd make up. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's true doesn't mean it's nice to say. 
I never thought there could be anything bad about sea turtles. They look incredibly lovely. And uh, David Attenborough did this whole thing in, in one of his shows about how they were escaping from deadly snakes mm. and everyone, the whole nation was behind trying to save them. Mm. Until we named a DNS hijacking attack a sea turtle attack and then gave the sea turtles demonic red eyes. And I have a sticker of this sea turtle with demonic red eyes on my laptop. Ah. Mm, interesting. But we all know that even if turtles get mutated and radioactive and <laughs> so on, they become heroes. They do. In a half shell. <laughs> Maybe that's the twist at the end of the film. Mm. No, it's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles prequel <laughs> origin story. Yeah, I think so. When did the uh, shocking electric eel film come out? 2003. So before mm-hmm. Deep Blue Sea, which featured intelligent sharks. I believe Deep Blue Sea was 2000, wasn't it? Okay, so it might have been inspired by uh, sea creatures developing IQs. How did they know they were intelligent? Did they do sums? Um, they uh, refused to shop at TK Maxx. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said TK Maxx. <laughs> they got 15 points on Mastermind. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I, I did watch a trailer, but I didn't pay attention. And uh, I did limited reading on the subject. Sorry. Right. The last one just sounds so much like something Andy would sit giggling whilst writing, but also shell to pay. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the first one being real. And mm-hmm. I can't decide between the last two. And I'm going to go for Shelter Pay just because it's a bit less descriptive. Somebody who hasn't run away with themselves whilst <laughs> writing it and started to enjoy themselves a bit too much. Shall I repeat that the turtle speaks and is voiced by Uncle Phil from The Fresh Prince? <laughs> mm. <laughs> now I'm definitely torn. I'm going for Shelter Pay. I'm also going with Shelter Pay. Same here. Yeah. Sea turtles. Stop this propaganda against sea turtles. They are lovely. Yeah, you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Three for three. Deep shock is real and you'll be shocked to... Sorry, not intentional. You'll be surprised (laughs) to hear that uh, it was um, a straight-to-TV sci-fi channel affair. Mm. And Sting of Death, yeah, just looks shit. Mm-hmm. I will definitely be watching both of those films. <laughs> oh, Ian Mayer will like it. And imagining the third. Speaking of turtles, very quickly, went to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Did I mention this on the last one? You did. Fine. Ignore me. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Apparently I covered it two weeks ago and then had some sort of traumatic vein injury. AKA <laughs> <laughs> a- a- the fringe. <laughs> Hazel. Mm. Uh, d- can we manage to keep our record up? Yep. This has never happened in Nerdfest history. You are currently 100% correct. Okay, so can, can I, I suggest a modification it? to how we normally play this? Ooh. We have to try and agree which one to pick, because the only Ooh. way we can possibly finally complete Buff or Bluff yeah. is by all picking the right one. So if you pick different ones, we're bound to lose. Okay. All right. It's a good idea, but it, it kind of makes me want to go against it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. All right, so I've just come back from Las Vegas, so I thought I'd tell you three facts about movies that were uh, shot in Las Vegas or Las Vegas is heavily featured in the movie. Did you win lots of money? I didn't play any of the slots, actually. Uh, I spent most of the time in my hotel room feeling ill. Oh. Mm. All right, number one. In Ocean's Eleven, the remake, not the original, there is a plot line that involves a casino being demolished. 
making way for some gaudy monstrosity. That's a quote from the film. This was initially filmed as the New York, New York Hotel and Casino, but after the 9-11 attacks, the scene was hastily re-edited and they replaced the backdrops. They also renamed the hotel to the fictional Xanadu. So this is a plotline where uh, there's a character, Ruben, who becomes involved within the Ocean's Eleven because he's got, now got a vendetta against Andy mm-hmm. Garcia's character for tearing down the hotel. The uh, hotel was originally the New York, New York. Number two. Uh, just a little bit of background before this one. So the Hell Dorado Days Parade, have you heard of this? Nope. It's also known as the Las Vegas Days Parade. It is held in mid-May each year in Las Vegas and celebrates the city's western roots. There is also a movie called Hell Dorado, which is released in 1946. It centres around a couple helping the FBI investigate counterfeiting scheme at a Las Vegas casino during the annual Hell Dorado Days celebration. However, the movie is spelled H-E-L-D-O-R-A-D-O. So there's only one L in hell. Because apparently... Movie theatres, along with the film's production company, became so concerned about the word hell being lit up on marquees that they purposely changed the spelling of the film's title. Hmm. 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 Nicely elaborate if it's made up. Number three. In Saved by the Bell, Wedding in Las Vegas, which is one of my favourites. Masterpiece. (laughs) (laughs) There is a scene where Zack Slater and Screech end up in a showgirl dancer performance whilst trying to escape from two gangsters. Initially, this scene involved them meeting Jessie by surprise, who is dressed up as a showgirl. The idea is that she's fallen on hard times and is trying to earn enough money to go back to college, and she helps them escape. Jessie, aka Elizabeth Berkeley, was filming Showgirls at the same time, so it's meant to be a fun reference to that. However, the scene was axed when the producers felt that no one would buy Jessie as a showgirl, so in the end, she just turns up at Zach and Kelly's wedding as a surprise last-minute guest. Mm. Now, I know Wedding in Las Vegas, she does show up yes. at the end. That, that's definitely true. I think you may be making that one up, having taken the idea from the new Say by the Bell reboot. Oh, which I've not seen. But um, <laughs> there is an episode where Elizabeth Berkeley talks about having been a showgirl briefly. Yeah. Yeah. As a, like an inside joke. Yeah, because she was in Showgirls. Yeah, I think she gets hooked <laughs> on caffeine pills again. Right. <laughs> and then, and Which was initially supposed to be speed. They, mm-hmm. they wrote it as she was becoming addicted to speed so that she could stay up and yeah. cram for this exam. Um, but the... Um, censors. Uh, yeah, the censors intervened. They didn't tell any of the plot, so she was basically reacting to having the equivalent of five espressos. Mm-hmm. I got addicted to speed whilst studying for my degree. I watched it like four times in eight <laughs> hours, uh, but luckily it was a film studies degree. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your Mothra. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go for the Saved by the Bell being the fake one. Uh, Heldorado one. You all have to agree. Mm -hmm. Ah, of course we do. Oh. Um, Mm. Heldorado, 1946, was that um, in the middle of the uh, the code era when everyone was deeply Mm. sensitive about things? It was, yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly the kind of thing. Have you ever heard an American avoid saying the word hell by saying H-E double hockey sticks? Which is deeply (laughs) irritating. Yeah, they're touchy about that kind of thing, and mm. I can believe it. It's utter nonsense, but it's America. Yeah, there's a lot of hex in films of that time. Yeah, I, it's idiotic, but absolutely, I believe it entirely. The Ocean's Eleven one, 
yeah, I could imagine that that being the kind of thing. And if they did film um, something that resembled the destruction of New York and 9-11 mm. happened, yeah, I've never heard that. But that one's still there, isn't it? The New York, New York Hotel, yeah. yeah. So why would they... Because it's a fictional film. <laughs> yeah, but people are going to know it didn't happen. Like, there's not... Like, Hazel didn't go to oh, Vegas, so to he goes, fuck me, the whole thing's a lie. The hotel's still there. <laughs> George Clooney, I trusted you. <laughs> you know, the film Ghostbusters. <laughs> when you, you go to the documentary. New York, <laughs> yeah, when you go to New York. <laughs> I think I'm going to join John on um, Saved by the Bell. Uh, I think it, they, they wouldn't have countenanced it in, in the first place. Um, having, I've not seen Showgirls, but from what I know of it, I don't think the Good. tone of it would. Is it, though? No. <laughs> um, I don't think the tone would have uh, vied with a Saved by the Bell film, and I don't think they would have had that idea. I reckon they would have, from the beginning, gone with uh, Jesse Showgirls. I'm not even 100% sure chronologically, although you may correct me on this, that... Showgirls predates Saved by the Bell wedding in Las Vegas. She was filming at the same time. Uh, okay, so in 1995. Well, I guess 1994. They both came out in 1995. Mm-hmm. Was, the Saved by Bell was only four seasons. Really? Yeah. The high school years finished in '93, and then they had this college years, which was trying to be a bit more adult, but mm-hmm. also try and cater to their young fan base as well. And they just like had two different tones going on and it appealed to none of them. And there was the new class as well. Was that at the same time as the college years or was that after? Um, I believe that might have been very similar times. Mm-hmm. Screech is in the new class as well, but not the first series. So they might have had the new class the same year as the college years. And then mm-hmm. Screech came back for the, the second season. So he was uh, Spike into Angel or Wolf into DS9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of Saved by the Bell knowledge. Do you have? I, I do. I really grew up on this. Yeah. yeah. And that's how I learned not to drink and drive. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever learned Because my dad would tell me off. And not do drugs. Hang on, let me write this down. Uh, Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs and... um, Don't cheat on your homework, you'll get caught. Don't cheat on your homework, okay. And um, drinking and driving, it was... It's a big big, big no-no. Okay. Don't build a robot friend, even though you don't have any real friends. Kevin was an AI robot that Screech built and was fully capable of conversation and it was basically a robot butler. And was featured in a few episodes and then completely discarded. Screech definitely had sex with that robot off screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so, yeah, we're all going safe by the bell, are we? Yes. Yep. All right. Well, this is high stakes. Oh, oh. I feel like I'm in a Vegas casino. Yeah. <laughs> Ball's about to stop. Yeah. Everything is riding on whether you are correct on my safe by the bell knowledge. You are completely hey, correct. Hey. <laughs> we can stop. Yes. <laughs> yes uh, so Asians 11, it came out in December 2001. So a couple of months after 9-11, they did hastily re-edit that and change the name of the oh, hotel. It was, it was done that quickly. It was, it was done that done quickly. After shooting. Yeah, it was shot as the New York, New York thing, mm-hmm. but they very hastily re-edited it. Uh, yes, the studio were very much against hell being lit up <laughs> in Marquis. But I believe that is the first film shot in Las Vegas from 1946, Eldorado. And yes, there is a scene with Zach and Screech and Slater. They are trying to escape from gangsters, as you do, and they end up in a showgirl flamingo type performance. But Jessie is nowhere to be found. And from what I know, she was never supposed to be there either. 
I have memories of some movie where they kind of crash a plane along the Las Vegas Strip and crash Conner, it. Conner. Conner. Ah, right. I was just trying to remember which movie it was. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were thinking through Dave by the Bell films. <laughs> What's the one where they like a plane? <laughs> <laughs> screech back in the box. <laughs> like Nick Cage was in the room again, wasn't it? <laughs> again? When mm-hmm. was he in the room with us before? A few episodes ago. Was he? When The one we recorded in the orangery, I believe Nick, Nick Cage made an appearance. Oh yeah, because he took part in the Oscar sweepstake. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's a a world non better. We're, we're saying it's a world record, but I'm sure Daniel Watkins will have a, a spreadsheet where he will correct <laughs> it and say we've we've done this many many times in the past. But we haven't hundred percented the show yet. Mm. No, no, yeah. because we have. We have. We're in the bonus round. The bonus round. Can I just say, um, Kathy and Stella solve a murder, which we talked about earlier in the show. They are podcast hosts, and a repeated joke that got a massive laugh is that they don't have anything for the podcast this week, so they're going to do a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, yeah, Andy, we're going to do a quiz. It's kind of a quiz. It's a bit of a guessing game, and we'll have a bit of a chat about things. I'm just going to give you a year and two films that came out that year. And I just want you to tell me which one of those two films had the biggest worldwide box office gross. Which is worldwide. Worldwide. We have to collectively agree. There's a lot of agreement. I'm not happy about that. <laughs> just just ignore Peter. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, also, you get a bonus point if you can uh, decide amongst yourselves whether the film that made the most money was deserving of it. Is this justice based on quality <laughs> of the films? And if that aligns with my own opinion, which is the correct one, then you get a bonus point. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's begin. 1994. Which of these two films made the most money? Was it Pulp Fiction or Dumb and Dumber? Hmm. Which one made the most and which one should have made well, the most? Well, Pulp Fiction in the UK is an 18. I don't know what the restriction mm. is in the US, but... It was an R in America and yeah. Dumb and Dumb was PG-13. So automatically, like, there's only a certain proportion of people who can go to the theatre. Um, they made and, a sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Yes. They didn't make a sequel to Pulp Fiction. True. Um, I don't think Tarantino is big box office. I don't think he really mm. is. He normally develops a bit of a cult following on DVD afterwards. Mm. I don't know how many of his films have actually made over 100 million. Mm-hmm. Certainly back in the day, not so much. Mm. I'm 100% this is going to be Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, yeah me too. Same here. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Dumb and Dumber, 246 million. Pulp Fiction, a paltry 212 million. Ooh. Um, now a guest. Is this justice though? Is Dumb and Dumber uh, therefore a better film than Pulp Fiction? I mean, at the time, I enjoyed Dumb and Dumber. But now you know better. <laughs> I don't, well, I think maybe the sequels have sort of painted a different picture of them. I would like to see Pulp Fiction with the Dumb and Dumber cast and uh, Samuel Jackson and John Travolta <laughs> in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> but clearly Pulp Fiction is a better film. Surely Nicolas Cage and John Travolta <laughs> in Dumb and Dumber. Be great. No, no bonus point for you. Dumb and Dumber is clearly the superior film. I said that. Bonus point for you. Thank you. This is... <laughs> Oh, I no, I didn't really say that. Pulp Fiction is better. No bonus point. Okay. <laughs> 1997, Face Off or Con Air? Oh. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Oh, hmm. I'm just trying to debate which is best. Obviously, we know which is the better film. Do we? Do we? Mm-hmm. Is it obvious? But to me. Go on then. Face Off. Yeah, actually, I do agree with I, that. I agree with that. <laughs> Face Off probably had, a, had the bigger... 
advertising sort of it's John Travolta, it's Nicolas Cage, and they take their faces off. Can't argue I mean, there's, that. there's a bigger draw in that than um, mm. you know Nicolas Cage doing oh, oh, doing this thing. Yeah, no, I, I was about to say something abhorrent. <laughs> Um, I would say Con Air probably made the more money, though, because it was a big Babe Rukheimer production. And it wasn't Babe, it was Simon West. Yeah. Mm. I remember culturally that being a big box office hit at the time. I just think the draw of Travolta and Cage being Mm. in the same Mm -hmm. bill would have attracted more people to the box office. So here's what I think, and I don't know if Andy has these figures. I would say Con Air was the bigger film in the US, but Face Off was the bigger film worldwide. I can try and find the figures. <laughs> I think I'm going with Face Let's Off. Let's go Face Off, yeah, yeah. For both. As in, better film and more money. Yep, Face Off made more money. 241 million to 224 million. Very close. Mm. And there is no such thing as a better film between these two. They are both just <laughs> of a like. A good like or a bad like? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just for disclosure, I got the numbers I'm using in this from a website on the internet. Okay. I... Do not have any further verification, and uh, I don't take kindly to fact-checkers. Leave me alone. Peter? <laughs> so you, you do realise we're putting this out on the internet? The internet? I thought this was on Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, it looks like uh, Face Off made more at the US box office as well. Mm. A quick poll for better film, Conair or The Rock? Mm. I finished Conair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say The Rock, seeing them again now. I enjoyed yeah. Con Air at the time, but when I saw it again a couple of years ago, I was, no, this isn't as good as I remember it being. I think it's a bit problematic now, Con Air. Some of the, I think the Steve Buscemi as a comedy child murderer or something. And right? paedophile. And paedophile, yeah. yeah. It has aged quite badly and gone a bit, it's a bit icky to watch now in a way that The Rock isn't. I think The Rock's more fun. The Rock's more serious, I think. Well, no, as serious as a Nicolas Cage <laughs> film gets. I would say The Rock is better than Conair. I would agree. Have you seen uh, Nicolas Cage's new one, the one where he's... Sympathy in, in for the cab. Devil? Yeah. Uh, I haven't yet, so I put it on. I fell asleep. <laughs> Louise didn't wake me up because she said it's the worst thing she's ever seen. Mm-hmm. And does that make you more want that to makes watch you it? want to watch it more, yeah. <laughs> right. Next. Next is 1999, and we have The Matrix or The Sixth Sense. I was too busy partying with Prince. (laughs) Okay. Mm. Hmm. I think The Matrix wasn't massive until its sequels. Don't know. It'd have to be massive to have sequels. Yeah. Probably developed a bit of a cult following on DVD because you it, you need at least three goes in order to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sixth Sense was massive, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I think people were probably trying to rush to see it so they didn't get spoiled. What do you mean? Oh, there's a, there's a big twist in the Sixth Sense. Huh? Well, well. Haley Joel Osment's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I think this would be another close one. I think the Sixth Sense. I think The Matrix. Oh. Casting vote goes to Hazel. Oh, no. You got Bruce Willis as a big sort of star at the time, mm, but a lesser known director. From the writer of Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> My gut tells me The Matrix was made more money, but John's going to be intolerable if, the, if we're both wrong. <laughs> as opposed to... <laughs> as usual. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, all right, go with gut, the Matrix. It was the sixth sense. Oh. <laughs> 672 million to 465. Ah, but wow. it's the sixth sense a better film. I think uh, in today's day and age, it has less of a cultural footprint than mm-hmm. the Matrix. I think they're both really good. I mean, the, the Matrix is odd when you see it again with all the sort of sitting there in baths of milky liquids Goo. and things. <laughs> And the sixth sense, people say, oh, why would you watch it again when you know how it ends? But then you see how it's hiding the fact that you can't see things yeah. and you mm-hmm. understand it better. And people say that kind of thing all the time. And we all re-watch good films, right? Mm. Even though knowing yeah. Darth Vader yeah. is um, Luke Skywalker's roommate and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And even like Titanic, you know how it's going to end. Yeah, exactly. This is about the I feel bad of... for the people who don't. <laughs> well, sorry, John. Yeah, what can you do? 2001, <laughs> Harry Potter and the, I'm so very sorry, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, as it appeared on the website, mm-hmm. or Lord of the Rings, oh, The wow. Fellowship yeah. of the Ring. Oh. oh, okay. Iconic films. I remember queuing up for both of them at the kinema, mm. like round, round, I'll say round the block. Round the tree. Yes, round the tree. <laughs> Which queue was longer? Hmm. It's a difficult one because Lord of the Rings was a massive film. Um, my gut feeling initially was Lord of the Rings, but then... I think it's going to be Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter was more relevant culturally at the time. There was uh-huh. all the kids w- wanting to see the film. And the books by this point were like at book four or five, were they? So they were... Yeah, it was yes. up to it peak. It was a big, big thing. I think as well, Harry Potter might have appealed to more demographics. It would have appealed mm-hmm. to sort of younger kids, as well as the adults who would read the books, but also accompanying the kids as well. Yeah. Whereas maybe Lord of the Rings, I'm not sure how many kids would have been, mm. but maybe not as many as those who were reading Harry Potter at the time. Maybe the second and third Lord of the Rings did bigger figures because the first one will have come out. Some people have watched it, but they would have a word of mouth of being really, really good. And a lot of people have watched it on DVD. And then by the time The Two Towers came out, maybe more of a swell yeah. of people going to see it. Lord of the Rings, yeah, great. I'm really looking forward to Peter Jackson's vision, stuff like that. But seeing these iconic characters being brought to life in Harry Potter. I think people might be more excited about that at the time. So yeah. it sounds like you're leaning Potterwoods. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you would be correct to do so. Harry mm-hmm. Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, 965 million to Fellowships, 891 million. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hazel, in a word, is that justice? Nope. Correct. <laughs> 2002, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets or the Two Towers? Okay. Interesting. Two Towers. John does not speak for all of us. Now, has he put that in? Because it's done a flip and reverse. Because mm. they, were, they were fairly close. Chamber of Secrets is the weakest book in the weakest film, isn't it, though? Generally amongst Potterheads. It's the weakest book, yeah. Mm-hmm. All the films are shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair, but... Well, this one, the, the second film had Lockhart in, who's one of the funnier characters. And he's being brought to life by... Morgan Freeman. Nope. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, thank you. Now, I think possibly John might be correct. I'm not just doing this because mm-hmm. we let him down last time. But Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship might probably have built up over the year. The extended editions were released in the November. The trailer for The Two Towers goes down in history as one of the best trailers of all mm-hmm. time. So I think, yeah, I'm going to go for Two Towers... Because the first Harry Potter film was a little bit of a letdown. Because it's a better story that it's flipped. I'm going to go with Two Towers as well. Yep, you're right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
2,919,874 for Harry Potter 2, mm. uh, which is just embarrassing. Um, yeah. And uh, once again, Hazel, in a word, is that justice? Yes. Correct. Bonus point. <laughs> 2007, Super Bad or Mr. Bean's Holiday? Oh. <laughs> you don't have to dwell on this one too long. Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because that was the known but, brand. But was Mr. Bean well known in, in America? He is, I think. He's yeah. quite well known worldwide. So we did our show at the Fringe last week and we did six shows and we got Mr. Bean suggested three times. Mm. So bizarrely enough, it's still a go-to touch point. And how often did you get a character from Superbad? <laughs> <laughs> None. Yeah. All right. Let's go with Mr. Bean. Yeah, you'd be right. 234 million to 169 million. Mm. And is it the better film? I've not seen either. I've not seen Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yeah, same here. I enjoyed Superbad more, but if I had to rewatch one of them today, it'd be Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yeah. Ooh. 2011, Captain America, the first Avenger or Thor. Ooh. Mm. What order did they come out? Was Captain America before Thor? Uh, Captain America was after. Mm. Mm. I think Captain America probably, just yeah. because it was a better known character. Mm-hmm. And this is in the early days of Marvel when yeah. they were still building and trying to use a better known property. If you ask 100 people, name a Marvel character mm-hmm. yeah. of the ones that they had, Captain America, I think, would be more known than yeah. Thor. Chris Evans probably more well known than mm-hmm. Chris Hensworth at the time as well. He hadn't had that many films before Thor. And even the ones he'd been in there to held back, like Captain in the Woods. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I slight inkling for Captain America. I'm not sure Chris Evans was particularly known at that point. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Captain America anyway, because I think it's a better film. <laughs> yeah, you'd be wrong. Oh, oh yeah. really? Captain America, 370 million. Thor, 449 million. Oh, okay. I believe Thor was an early-ish summer release. And Captain America was towards the end of the year, so that might have had something to do with right. it. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe people went to see it because they'd enjoyed Iron Man, and then they saw Thor and it put them off so they didn't bother watching <laughs> the third one. I like Thor. <laughs> I'm just saying that to provoke you. I, know. I, I liked Thor, but that is no mm-hmm. longer true. Have you seen Tyker is in the early stages of Thor 5, according to some reports this Has week? Has he learned from his mistakes? Does anybody with an ego ever learn from their well, mistakes? Chris Hemsworth did say he does regret parts of um, yeah. Love and Thunder. Mm. They didn't get it right. I doubt Taika Waititi has said anything similar because he's an arrogant arse. <laughs> <laughs> I think Captain America is probably the stronger film of the two, but I think Thor's really good as well. Mm-hmm. <sighs> 2013, Gravity or Star Trek Into Darkness? Very mm-hmm. similar films. Well, Gravity was in 3D. And then, therefore, automatically yeah. a higher ticket price. Ah, good point. Didn't Into Darkness not do that well because they thought they'd gone too far yeah. into darkness? It didn't do well critically. Is that the Cumberbatch one? Yes. Yeah, because they kind of cost-corrected with the third one, didn't they, to make it lighter and fun, more fun mm. again, which may have been a reaction to not great box office for mm-hmm. the second one. Yeah. Again, it's still Star Trek. It's an IP. It's yeah. You've got Sandra Bullock, George Clooney, big box office stars. Mm-hmm. I love the joke at the Golden Globes about gravity. They said oh, it's a film in which George Clooney would rather find himself off into the darts of space than spend another moment with a woman his own age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gravity won seven Oscars. Yeah. Mm. Star Trek Into Darkness won eight. What? Uh, sorry, no, uh, <laughs> I thought you were just going to say zero. <laughs> yeah. They look similar. Yeah. Mm. They got zero. 
I'm going to go for Gravity because yeah. I think it ran for a long time and a, a lot of people went to see it. Yeah, Gravity. Do we think then that in this case, quality has overridden the other thing? <laughs> go for Gravity. Going for Gravity, are we? Uh, well, Gravity definitely on quality grounds. Uh, in terms of money, I'm going to go Star Trek for money. We have to agree. Do it's we? two against one. Mm. Oh, I will go with the majority. I'm Democracy fine. prevails. Gravity won. Woohoo! 685 million. An mm. Oscar film taking a lot of money there. Star Trek, a mere 467 million. Oh. 2015. Ant Man versus The Revenant. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd have got my money back for The Revenant. Again, blockbustery thing against Oscar bait. How did it go this time? Mm. I, I've mostly just chosen these two so that I could say Revenant because yeah. that tickles me. <laughs> I don't know. Ant Man didn't have Leonardo DiCaprio having sex with a bear, did it? <laughs> Deleted did Revenant yeah. have that? It was implied, perhaps, in the trailer. And that's why more people want to see and it. And there's a bit where the bear pulls Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio down, and there was a suggestion that the bear was having its way with him. <laughs> it obviously wasn't that in the film, but it was a, a dubious shot in the trailer. <laughs> right. Which would you go for quality? Ant Man. I mean, I enjoyed that, man. I would much prefer to have seen it as done by Edgar Wright, but it was fun, which you can't necessarily say about The Revenant. Nope. Uh, wasn't Ant-Man one of the more disappointing Marvel box offices? Mm, oh, I mean, disappointing is a loose term mm. within the Marvel uh, mm. cinematic universe. It probably didn't make quite as gigantic big books as some of them, mm-hmm. but it still spawned two sequels. Mm. If only it had only spawned, well, none. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with Ant-Man These Oscar films, they get a lot of attention But no one really wants to see them, do they? So the thing with the Marvel ones As we've seen with like Captain America and Thor and stuff Is the first ones generally are a bit lower And they they Mm. build over the sequels Mm -hmm. I think the Revenant, but if I'm outvoted I will Well, The thing that's kind of making me think Is that it's surprising to put those two side by side Unless you're just doing it for the ant pun I am. That is the well, only reason. Then I'll, then I'll stick by Ant-Man being the bigger winner. Mm. It was the Revenant. Oh. Oh. What have we learned from this podcast? <laughs> Don't trust Andy. Ignore John. <laughs> uh, the Revenant made 532 million, which is ridiculous. Really? Um, Ant-Man, 518 million. Oh, but how, many, how much did they make when everybody asked for their money back? <laughs> uh, I think they just about broke even. Okay. It's surprising. The Revenant, I thought, was a good film, but I didn't enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. I admired the craftsmanship in the same way that... I don't know where I'm going with this. Mandy. <laughs> Not quite the same as Mandy, mm-hmm. no. But uh, in that region, except a different region. Uh, right, final one of these, and it will be the ultimate test of does box office reflect quality. Okay. It's 2019, and it's Little Women or Terminator Dark Fate. Oh, gosh. Which one made the most money, and is this a fair reflection of capitalism? So Dark Fate was the most recent one where yeah. they brought Linda Hamilton, Linda Hamilton. Back. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't bad compared yes, to some of the previous was. ones. Compared to Genesis. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just yeah. turd versus a shit, really, isn't it? <laughs> turd <laughs> They alien freed John Connor, though, didn't they, which I was a bit annoyed about. Mm. And then they, they changed up the timeline mm-hmm. and then replaced it with an effectively identical timeline, just with different names. Yeah. Completely pointless, utter shite. Hate this film. <laughs> just because I think it's the narrative... Bandy feels like yes. he's pitching. This is the Greta Gerwig little yeah. woman. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to guess it's going to be pitiful compared to Terminator. It's just a shame. What we need to decide, because this is the grand finale, the climax, 
mm-hmm. is Andy deep down an optimist or a pessimist? What's his feelings about the future of cinema and of the world in general? Pessimist, does obviously. He, yeah, does he believe that good will ultimately triumph over mediocrity? Nope. <sighs> yep, Terminator made more. <laughs> I know Little Women did it extremely well. And I, I suspect Dark Fate did less well than they were hoping for. Yeah, it was supposed to be the first in a new trilogy, which is now not happening. Yeah. But I also guess it was very, very expensive to make, so their definition of success will have been billion dollars. We went to see it in a fairly empty cinema. Did we all go see it together? No. Maybe it was the one before we, we saw Genesis, see, we saw together. Genesis together. Yeah. That was an experience. You know what? Because I'm an optimist, and I believe the future of cinema is in safe hands with Greta Gerwig. I'm going to go Little Women. Terminator. Well down to you, John. Are you going to take the moral high ground? I'm going to be pessimistic and say Terminator made much more money than Little Women. All right. I have to go with the group. But I want to be wrong. The world is a bleak, depressing, hopeless place. (laughs) Terminator Dark Fate made Uh, more money than Little Women. 250 million to 218 million, thus proving mm. irrefutably that box office gross is absolutely the opposite an indicator of uh, quality of a film and we shouldn't ever look at it or discuss it ever again. If you took away the production budget, though, yeah. we probably made less money. If you were the producer of Little Women and the producer of the Terminator Dark Fate, the producer of Little Women were much happier with that film making $218 million yeah. than the Terminator guys were. And the viewers of the film were much happier than the mm-hmm. people that went to see it. Hence putting the sequel into production, even Little Women. <laughs> Teeny women. <laughs> like Dumb and Dumberer. Teeny tiny women. <laughs> That's why I bet to see that. Teeny tiny women. Teeny tiny. <laughs> I assumed it was like lumpa lumpas or something else. <laughs> right, end of segment. The world is doomed. Sorry about that. What should we do about that? I'll go see Barbie again. Gonna do that tomorrow. Mm. It's our second one of wedding anniversary tomorrow, and we're gonna mm. go and see Barbie again. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure that Andy knows where his place is. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just so you know that you're enough. Thank you. <laughs> that is all for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a few weeks' time. Until then, you can stop by our social media for some light relief in the midst of your doom scrolling. We are at Nerdfest UK. Do send us messages, feedback, and by all means, leave us an utterly glowing review if you have been moved by us during the episode. John, what are you going to offer as an extra incentive for every listener who leaves us a glowing review? Well, I feel like you're sick of me coming round to your houses and doing strange things as a reward. Uh, So I'm going to send Hazel round. And Hazel's going to go round with a Saved by the Bell box set and watch every episode of all four seasons and you're going to be up so late that you're going to sleep in and (laughs) you won't wake up in the morning till the alarm gives out a warning and you don't think you'll make it on time. time. No. No. Excellent. I would genuinely love to do that (laughs) and just like point out, this is where Jesse and uh, uh, Kelly had to leave the show for other contracts so they just got this random other person in (laughs) fill the last few episodes and then they came back for the graduation love to do that so please leave us a good review <laughs> until next time you've been listening to john fat oh fuck bruce, bruce Willis was a ghost uh, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> a half man half stickleback hybrid superhero called the prick <laughs> look at his little happy face <laughs> <laughs> a man who sadly hasn't managed to infect anyone else with the flash yet and you never will <laughs>
And a woman who's all right because I'm Sipperville. <laughs> Cue music. Bye. Oh, sorry. Yes. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Do you know the Save Bundle oh, music? I genuinely don't. No? Oh, no. you're in for a world of pleasure. When you wake up in the morning and the bones are morning, I don't think I'm going to make it on time. By the time I've got my books and I've got myself a look, I hit the corner just in time to see the bus ride by. It's all right, because I'm saved by the bell. How's the song go?